Hello and welcome to the Perfect Gentleman podcast. My name is Zach Falconer-Barfield. I am the founder of The Perfect Gentleman and alongside me, as always, is... James Marwood. Um, good to speak to you, Zach. How are you? I'm very well, sir. How are you? I'm good. It's a nice sunny day. My other half's away. I've got the house to myself. I'm going to have a nice relaxing day. <laughs> that sounds like a lovely day. It's not sunny here uh, where I am, but it is a warm mm. day. I wish that we actually had proper summer. Um, hopefully that yes. will come in a few weeks time no doubt or just when we don't need it <laughs> yes it's been a good week so this week it's not a lot of us talking and a lot of our guests talking this week that's probably for the good yeah it's probably for the good our, our, our listeners out there will probably be very happy that they mm. don't hear us waffle for an hour this week we have rory who is talking about manners abroad and to stop shouting at foreigners yes <laughs> I, just, I, I i have to say i gave him this title for the article and for the podcast because i always remember that thing at the chap olympiad that was exactly what came to mind which is the game that they play the chap is a, a lovely magazine a very lovely tongue-in-cheek magazine about being a gentleman mm-hmm. and they have a olympiad not every year but occasionally they have these games mm-hmm. uh, um, like jousting on bicycles with umbrellas and running along without spilling your martini and things like that. and Not playing tennis. Not playing tennis, exactly. Yes. And one of the games is to stop shouting at foreigners, which is, um, of course, the traditional British Victorian thing where everyone is supposed to speak English. So mm-hmm. we shout at you loudly and more and more loudly until you understand us. Yes. Which is the principle of the game, really, isn't it? I think it's- yes. Well, I'm, I'm funny if you, my parents live in Spain. Having been to see them in some areas which are full of English expats, that does seem to be a technique that some of them employ. It's true, yeah. No, yes. I, ha- I have a, uh, an ex-relation. I'm not going to name names because mm-hmm. it will come out. Uh, he has lived in Spain for decades yep. and doesn't speak a word of Spanish. Oh, yeah, yes. <laughs> Moving yes, swiftly on. Indeed. Let, yes. Let's listen to Rory for a bit. He can tell us about uh, the manners that we should employ abroad. Greetings and welcome once again to The Perfect Gentleman. My name is Rory Bolger, 2PG and etiquette and fine dining expert. Today I'm going to be talking to you about the Brit abroad, the awful stereotype that we have, and what we can do to fix it. So what is this awful stereotype that Brits have? When abroad, Brits are viewed as loud, drunk and sunburnt. They are seen as ridiculously dressed, often sporting Union Jacks or St George's Crosses, when they're wearing enough clothes, and often being under or inappropriately dressed. They've almost never done enough research about where they're going, what to see, what to do, and hardly any of them have taken any time to learn the local language. Brits also tend to think of themselves as travellers rather than tourists, as though this title bestows qualities that makes them somehow culturally superior to visitors from other countries but at the same time refuse to eat food unless they're able to also get it at home. They talk about doing places that they have seen, be it a country, a city, or a specific tourist venue. So how do we change this stereotype? Well, the first tip, as always here at The Perfect Gentleman, is respect. And in this case, respect comes from understanding. Understanding the local culture, the local language, what the food is, what the weather is. Make sure you've done your research. Make sure you know what to expect when you get there. This includes not only the sites you might see, but the places you can visit and the occasions that are happening. Having a drink, for Brits, is often an ordinary part of relaxing. But there are many countries around the world and many cultures for whom alcohol is not so willingly tolerated. Be mindful of the fact that drunkenness is almost never acceptable 
and be cautious of having a drink in countries whose culture is not used to such a thing. There are many wonderful experiences to be had in each country that you might go to. There are many, many wonderful sites to see, and doing a bit of research, particularly about World Heritage sites, might give you some insight as to examples to see. Cultural festivals and other local events also provide particularly interesting opportunities. Don't forget, in as much the same way as we are, many cultures and countries are very proud of the produce that they grow and the food that they serve. Indulge in what might be some unusual cuisines and you might expose yourselves to fantastic new flavours. Remember that there's nothing wrong with being a tourist. Although you might want to see yourself as a traveller, you are in fact a tourist as soon as you leave your home shores. Try as many different experiences that you can, and once you've returned home, have a look around your own city and realise how much there is to explore in your own backyard, and acknowledge that it would take a lifetime to truly complete all exploration of any holiday destination. So leave the doing to activities, and don't rush to tick off a location after the first visit. Finally, the saving graces for Brits as they travel are their open-mindedness and their sense of humour. It's important to always take that self-deprecating smile and our willingness to learn new experiences and to try different things anywhere you go. The perfect gentleman is comfortable in any situation, in any culture. And don't be afraid to dabble into something new and exciting. As always, more information on this or any other topic can be found on our website, www.theperfectgentleman.tv, or our online magazine. Elliot Rhodes is the foremost belt brand that seeks to make people see belts in a whole new way and to show them that a great belt is imperative to dressing with style and individuality. With four stores, three in London and one in Japan, Elliot Rhodes belts are bespoke and innovative. They create beautiful luxury leather belts and buckles in a wide variety of colours and textures and styles. They suit all tastes. Check them out at elliotrhodes.com. Thank you, Rory. We shall now politely learn at least a little bit of the language of the country that we're visiting. I always tend to do that anyway. I always Mm. want to learn please and thank you and how are you and all that sort of stuff and learn a bit. I do it wherever I go, actually. Yes, it's quite fun. If we refer back to holiday romances and things that we talked about previous weeks, it's actually a very good conversation opener Hmm. because you can either ask how to say something or do it get it wrong and and apologize and and ask ask for help doing it better very true well i have a notebook full of all these sort of little uh, hellos and goodbyes in various different languages so whenever i go back there i've I've remembered those words in thai and um, arabic and and various other languages excellent so i should do that because i I learn it and then forget it and have to learn it again yeah i have a little notebook with all the little things written down and i write it out in my little phonetic way so i can i know how i want to say it well that, well, that works. So what's next? Next, we're going to look at the principles of saving. So trying to understand from our financial gentleman how we should be saving. And this is something I'm actually quite looking forward to because I'm not good at it. I think we all struggle a little bit with saving these days. I tend to kind of be a little bit like um, Sarah Jessica Parker from, uh, what was the show? Oh, Sex in the City. Sex in the City, yes. I, say, well, I like to have my money where I can see it, which is hanging in my wardrobe. <laughs> as fun as it is, it's probably not the smartest thing. Do you have her uh, predilection for hundreds of pairs of shoes? Not quite to that extent, but I have enough that storage has become a problem. 
<laughs> yes, I'm actually going through an exercise, which we'll probably talk about in, in September, of clearing out my closet, actually. A source of, of some discord between me and my other half at times is exactly how many shirts should a chap own. Um, <laughs> and I think we're, we're, we disagree by several orders of magnitude. <laughs> um, but anyway, let's find out from Bobby the best way to save. Good day, uh, perfect uh, gentlemen audience. It's uh, Bobby Boone here for my regular uh, quarterly um, update on, on how to be the perfect financial gentleman. Today we're going to be uh, reviewing or having a look at the principles of savings. So today what I'd like to do is obviously discuss savings, but I want to obviously break it down in three different areas. The principles of savings are quite simple. You earn money, you have disposable income, and ideally you should be saving some of that disposable income as opposed to spending it. It's very hard to earn income, but very easy to spend. So my advice to you is have a budget, understand what you need to spend per month. That will give you an idea of what you have left to save, and then allocate that savings in three different ways. And I'm going to give you an idea of where you should save. So the first area you should really save is um, in your short term, and that money should go into cash. And the reason why it should go into cash is because ideally it should be accessible. The reason why you have money in a short-term vehicle is because... You want to have access to it, and it's effectively your emergency fund. If it is in cash, the benefit is, like I said, it's accessible, but sadly in today's climate, it's not always going to be like this. The interest rate that one's going to earn, particularly from a bank or a building society, is going to be particularly low, uh, typically 1% to 2%, especially if you would like to have access. The longer you look to lock that away, the interest gets better, but not by, by much. Um, so what I'd like to do is give you an idea of how compound interest growth works. To give you an idea, if you've uh, got a £1,000 to save, what you want to do is obviously lock, you know, put that away into some sort of uh, interest paying account. And let's just give you an example. You've managed to locate on a high street bank 2% as an opportunity. Now that 2% uh, that you earn, if you imagine you have, like I said, £1,000 and you receive £20 worth of interest, because 2% of 1000 is £20, at the end of the tax year, or end of the year, you'll have £1,020. However, the benefit is the interest that you're going to earn isn't just on that 1000 it's actually on the interest as well as the capital lump sum. So you've got a 2% earned on £1,020. So what that basically means is once you've earned that 2%, by the end of that tax year or end of that fiscal year, your total will add up to £1,040.40. Now, over a 10-year period, that effectively grows to £1,218.98. Fantastic. Now, the benefit here is, like I've just said, the compounding interest. Now, if you just left it in an area where you didn't have the compounding and you just got to the 2%, the total amount would be £1,200 versus £1,218.98. To make it easy for me, let's just call it £1,219. So effectively, you're getting an extra £19. Now, you might be saying, well, what's the point for an extra £19? It's not very attractive. Of course, we're just using a small amount here. The larger the amounts are, the bigger the sort of gains that, that you can potentially accrue. So bear that in mind. That's effectively cash uh, in a nutshell. Naturally, you get to see in a bit more detail um, my workings in the article, so please refer to that. So I'm going to move away now from the short-term part, and we're going to look at the medium-term opportunities for savings. Now, in this sort of section, I would strongly recommend that you stay away from cash. The reason why you stay away from cash is because, as I mentioned before, cash pays approximately 2%. 
and anybody who has understanding of how economics works understands that inflation, approximately in today's terms, runs at approximately 3 to 3.5%, which basically means that the value of your money is depreciating if, in the medium to long term, you keep it in cash. So to give you an idea of what that looks like, if you buy a loaf of bread today, and that loaf of bread costs, just for argument's sake, £1, um, but after five years you'd buy that same loaf of bread, even if you've got it in a, an interest-paying account at 2%, you're not going to be able to buy that loaf anymore because the value of your money does not actually uh, keep up to date with inflation. So hence, you've got less money and you're not able to buy that loaf of bread. So hence, in the medium term, you should be looking to invest into other assets. Those assets might be a well-diversified portfolio which will have equities, uh, single-company shares, single-company or corporate bonds, mutual funds, exchange traded funds or commodities. Any you know advisor worth their salt would be able to give you some guidance on how to invest. Or if you're someone that's quite savvy in the marketplace, you can actually go on online and find some of these do-it-yourself uh, investment funds where you invest yourself. So yeah, you have the, those tools available to you, whether you come through someone like myself who can give you that advice or you want to do it yourself. However, I would strongly recommend looking at ways to avoid paying tax. Now, you're not evading tax, you actually have ways to avoid paying tax, which are government-backed schemes. In the UK, you have, and in the US, you have various vehicles where you can put these cap- this capital in, and over the long term, you'll avoid paying capital gains tax. You have a small allowance per year, very, very advisable, or almost, how can I say, inexcusable not to use that allowance, because every year you use it, it adds value, you avoid paying capital gains tax, once you accumulate those assets over a long period of time, you'll really see the benefits. To give you an example, if you save £10,000 a year, over 10 years, that's £100,000. If your portfolio grows, let's just say by 10%, just on average, and that's compounded, that's going to give you, let's just say for argument's sake, £130,000. That £30,000 worth of growth is completely free from tax. If you then look to take an income from that in retirement, potentially that could be a tax-free income as well. So it's, it's very attractive. In the UK, this is called an ISA, an individual savings account. However, obviously we have a global audience. Please have a look at your local tax office to see what kind of opportunities you have there. So that's the medium term in a nutshell. We're now going to move away to long-term savings. A lot of you young people will think, well, I've got a long time to go before I, I retire or have any requirements for that sort of space. Believe you me, retirement comes very, very fast. I want to talk to you about the, the different opportunities you have in the long-term space. Again, this is completely opposite to what you have with respect to cash. Cash, you have the benefit of complete access, but very poor growth. But with the long term, you've got the opportunity for excellent growth, but naturally you don't have access. So to give you an idea, property. You could buy a property today. Naturally, you know, you've got it for the long term. You're probably living it for a long time. The benefits are that it should grow and you know give you a really decent return once you sell it. If you were to downsize, the restriction is you can't sell it just on the day. There are costs to exit and naturally depends on the, the liquidity or the volatility of the market at that time. Uh, we've discussed property. Um, we're now going to discuss retirement funding. A retirement account is just a glass. Uh, very similar to what I mentioned before. As an ISA, it's just a glass. You can fill it with any liquid you like. Um, so that liquid could be, just for argument's sake, equities, corporate bonds, ETF commodities is exactly the same. But the, the restrictions that are in place for a pension plan are completely different. Um, 
with respect to an ISA and you need to understand how those work um, I strongly recommend again speaking to your local advisor or doing your own research but to give you an idea in the UK at least you can't put your money into a pension you have restrictions on, on when you can access it you can't access it until you're 55 years old but there's lots of benefits in taxation and acquiring income it's a very complicated subject I won't how can I say bore you with it today but the benefits are very simple. You put your money in, you've got tax-free growth over time. When you take the money out, potentially you pay a lower rate. As simple as that. I hope that makes sense. I hope I've recapped everything in a nice order. If you have any questions, please contact me at The Perfect Gentleman, Bobby Brian, and I look forward to speaking to you soon. Thank you. Our wonderful partners, the English Cream Tea Company, deliver a fresh take on tradition. The English Cream Tea Company offers quintessentially British gifts. Choose from the freshly prepared afternoon tea hampers to be hand-delivered right to your door throughout Mainland UK, or select from a range of gift vouchers. There are also postable gifts of award-winning chocolate brownies, tea, delicious shortbread, and even cheese-please tuck tins with delicious cheese scones and chutney. After all, the perfect gentleman needs to be able to send the perfect gift, whether it's to say thank you, congratulations, or season's greetings. And the English Cream Tea Company supplies that, complete with your own personalised gift message. Who do you know who would not love the gift of afternoon tea? So go to theenglishcreamtea.com for a charming touch of British indulgence. So, uh, James, did you learn anything from Bobby there? I think so. I, I was taking notes. I'll have to see how I can apply them. I shall be uh, putting my pennies into my little piggy bank. Yes. I'm hoping to put them into a bank account that gets more than 0.5% interest rate. Yes. Yes, <laughs> indeed. Some point in the future. So, and then our next section today is um, the second part of our interview with the founders of uh, Rally, Darshana and Marcus Ubel, which would be interesting. Uh, once again, we were in a very cavernous room when it was absolutely bucking it down with rain when we recorded this. Let's go on to um, Marcus and Dashana and myself and, and at the Corinthia Hotel, the founders of uh, Rally and the second part of our Gentleman Talks interview. Okay. Who's the car fiend then? That would be me. So you're the car fiend, definitely. There is a, a streak of a car lover in Deshana as well, so but I'm definitely I think on the balance I tip the scouts. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about Verve Rally, how it came about, what 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 you're doing with it and, and what it what's going on in the world of Verve Rally. Yeah. So really like you say, I'm a bit of a car nut. I've come from a family of sort of car enthusiasts and uh, performance cars and things like that where I really appreciate cars more from more than just getting from A to B there's actually there's a passion within them as well and, and enjoying the driving so when we saw the last business we bought a car bought a nice car and we immediately the conversation was well we have to take this out for a drive because driving around the, within the M25 or 20 miles an hour just really was not was not doing it um, and uh, so we said look we want to do a bit of a road trip we went on a holiday for about six, four, four, five weeks out to, to seeing family in Australia and then India. And over that time, sort of, these ideas started to sort of formulate. Uh, and then with sort of Dashana, um, did you want to tell the story on the... And take over yeah, from take over the, from here. Marcus was convinced we had to go on a car rally. Uh, so he, he got me a few options of what we should go for. And as much as they were all lovely, I, I couldn't see the connection how driving for nine hours and then and then parting for four hours could all be fun whilst you look to your best. So I was like, Marcus, I want something which is less of driving, more of, you know, downtime, uh, and in the evenings we can go out and, you know, more social. 
and there were a few classic car uh, rallies which fit that bill but nothing in in terms of the performance cars which had a more male and female ratio so i gave him a list of this is what i'm looking for i'm not trying to be difficult and he's like okay i'll, I'll try looking he asked his friends and we all looked around for a bit came back saying couldn't find anything and at that point i said do you mean there's a gap in the market <laughs> I'm like, oh, how about we do this for a while and, you know, um, find out our friends want to go for something and we've got events experience and we could put something together and see how it goes. Mark is like, I'm in. That would be great. I would love it. So with that encouragement, um, a week later, uh, we, we emailed all our friends with some details of things we had and they came back saying, yes, we're in. Also, with that early take-up, it gave us the confidence that there was a gap in the market and then only last um, few weeks ago did we actually launch it to the public uh, and since then the ball has been rolling and they, there are people who love cars but don't want to drive for many hours they want to drive at their own pace for four hours two hours to a lunch spot two hours from it and you know it's quite nice and easy and um, there's also a huge um, element of people interacting with one another um, the group element uh, expanding your peer network and as we grow older or we get more set in our business or, or the things we do we kind of meet the same people over and over again and if you just want to enjoy some time with some lovely bunch of people this could be a great way of doing it especially if you don't like changing flights doing six countries by flights is not as enjoyable as it is if you do it by car so, so, that, so what's the concept of a rally? What, what, are you, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to sort of hark back to the sort of 1920s, 1930s, driving around, you know, the great, the grand tour via a car kind of thing? Is that kind of what you want to do? That yeah. kind of thing, yeah. Okay, that's, that's perfect. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If only there was a chauffeur. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't well, be the first it, person it, it can be in range. <laughs> yeah. 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 Being a co-pilot, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm very happy as a co-pilot. So, tell us a little about the, what the journey is and where you're going, and then, you know, why did you choose these places? And so, it's a luxury. We call it a luxury lifestyle adventure, and it is a celebration of the journey as much as it is about the destinations. So, it's actually the route in between and some of these beautiful roads in Europe, uh, as much as it is the five-star locations we're going to, and these lovely chateaus and you know, epic sunsets and you know, across the lakes of uh, Lake Como and things like that. So it's really sort of bringing those things together. And it's also a social element like Deshana was touching on where you, we've got, we vet everybody that sort of wishes to, that applies for the rally and wants to join. And we just make sure that it's a good fit, that, that what they're looking to get out of it is, is really synergistic with what we're actually offering and, and make sure that there's a good synergy there. So everyone, the group will gel. And, uh, and so new friendships will be formed over the course of the rally. So we've chosen, we wanted to get down to the French Riviera. And by way of that, and not wanting to drive nine hours a day and, and sort of do these long stints and turn it into an endurance event. <laughs> as some uh, other rallies, some, where we, which we won't name. <laughs> we uh, decided to sort of break it up. And so we worked with a team that have got extensive experience across the continent in running rallies and and doing these types of things for some of the car clubs and things like that and so we used that sort of experience in, in selecting some of these locations so we we depart from London we go down to Folkestone and we cross the Eurotunnel with the cars on the on the tunnel 
And then we, our first stop is in Reims. So we're actually the champagne capital. We stop there, have a uh, welcome dinner and, and drinks. And, and champagne, perhaps. Champagne, of course. <laughs> of course, of course. I think that's Deshaun is nodding wildly yeah. there. Isn't it? Yes, yes, champagne. So we wanted to sort of, you know, we want to do some of these locations. And so for the 2016 rally, next year we'll have a different, slightly different route. But for this year, we've got a, the same route happening twice: one in July and one in September. And it's take five days off work. It's nine days. It's two weekends. We leave on a Saturday, come back on the following Sunday. It's all very leisurely, like she was saying, about four hours driving, two hours, we leave sort of late morning after breakfast, spend a couple of hours in the car, stop at the first lunch spot, which will be, it's all sort of, again, selected, we've sort of pre-vetted these places and uh, it'll be nice, some will be Michelin Star, some will be a local cafe that's got, you know, really local reviews that are really lovely, and just really just experiencing some of the adventure. There'll be plans, but obviously best laid plans of Mice and Men, there's going to be some things where the adventure result happens as well, and things that through spontaneity will happen, and, and we roll with it. But really just it's an adventure on wheels, with a great group of people, uh, and experiencing some lovely locations. Mm, great, okay, yeah. so and it's July and September, Yeah. have you got any spaces left on July? We've got a couple because, as Sean was saying, we've got uh, a lot of friends in the first rally, and they said, "Look, we're flexible. If you, if you, uh, if you have some that only can do July, we're happy to to transfer across into September. So we can still take a couple of spots in July, but we're mostly really looking to fill the September rally." Okay, and then so these are the only two you're running this year. Yeah. Next year. You're running a couple three more. Three things for those yeah, next, year. next year. You're going to yeah. run running a yes. couple more. Yeah. Absolutely. Different places. Different places. Excellent. Okay. There'll also be one route. Uh, one of these routes will be available, and then there will be a few other alternatives. And it's been lovely because people have been so excited. Some people plan at the spur of a moment. Others plan months and years, yeah. at least eleven months in advance. So the ones who plan beforehand, we've got a lot of bookings for next year, and we can't wait to release our new locations and what we're going to do. So this is this is a way of life. This is where we journey on together, and something we're excited about. That's cool. I love that. I like I like the idea. A, I like the idea because it's that sort of vibe of just fun and travel and that sort of 1920s, 1930s lifestyle vibe. Um, I think that's great. So it's your car or you, you can bring, is you supply the cars or is it the person's own car? Yeah, so we've got, we've got both. Okay. About 70% of the people so far are bringing their own car. Uh, some might want to, they also want to hire. So we've got about 30% that are either central London based, they don't have a car, or they don't want to bring their daily driver, they want to bring something a bit special. So we've actually partnered up with a prestige hire company and we've negotiated some exceptional rates uh, from them. And you can get everything from an Audi TT through to McLaren, depending on budget and taste and you know what you're looking for and comfort levels, really. Because some of these supercars are not, not as comfortable on the long distances. No, but, uh, no, I, I, I'd, be, I'd be looking for the Bentley and, 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 the, and the chap up front. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's and the champagne in the back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's great. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. So you can bring either, yeah, either bring your own or you, uh, or you can bring... You can, and you don't have to go through the, the company that we've you know partnered with as well. There's... Um, yeah. car rental company. Yeah, but the main thing is it's a touring kind of rally, yeah. so it's a, it's a luxury sort of touring, so sort of nice, nice cars, modern cars. It's not a classic car rally. Um, the caveat on that is that usually classic car rallies bring mechanics along with the rally, and we will not have that. So we're expecting reliability. So if you're going to bring one, 
you have to bring your own your own mechanic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, sure, I'm sure as you just goes on, I can see the I can see the classic one, the classic yeah, yeah. rally coming yeah. in the future. We have yeah. had interest from a few, and we are yeah. considering bringing the friend who's also a mechanic. Yeah. We're like, we can definitely. Yeah. We will not stop you if we are confident yeah. that your car can can yeah, do the journey. I'll wait for the uh, the one across the US. <laughs> <laughs> So wonderful. That's really cool. I, I take, well, thank you very much for that. Now we end every uh, gentleman talks interview with this ten gentlemanly questions that everyone has to answer. Well, ladies and gentlemen can answer oh, okay. this. So, so no, no, you can't get off these ones. No, no, ladies have answered these too. So, I, I, no conferring. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no conferring. So, um, so, because some of the questions I know you'll have to answer, that will be amusing. So, okay. I will alternate who starts. Okay. So, oh. <laughs> so, for question number one: What makes or embodies a gentleman for you? I think manners, uh, a an amount of chivalry. I've got some sort of old-fashioned values in holding a door for a woman and opening the car door and things like that. Singing our awesome hymn tune, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I think a lot of those things are sort of combined into being sort of a gentleman. I think it's the, the way you conduct yourself, character, and and uh, my views on that, yeah. Excellent, excellent. Jana, what makes or embodies a gentleman for you? A gentleman is a mindset. is where a woman put, uh, can trust the man and the, and the man behaves in a manner where which is whether or not anyone else is looking, he has his own standards and principles which he, he upholds and, and he, he's comfortable in who he is and he's there to help the woman he's besides. I like that. So I'm going to ask you this one first. That's why I did it this way around. There is a reason I did it this way around. So what's the most romantic thing that's ever been done for you? so many things to choose from <laughs> that's good well done yeah. <laughs> you can't use the, uh, the proposal story you can't yeah. yeah but it's so fresh in my head okay the most romantic thing is that Marcus actually uh, when we were doing long distance we had different time zones we used to do chats and stuff and sometimes we couldn't connect over the phone so he made me a recording where it, he would, it was like a two-minute recording, uh, which was uh, like a lullaby kind of a thing, but with his nice, soft voice putting me to sleep. And if I couldn't speak to him in the night, I'd play that, and with that I'd go off to sleep. And I still have that recording, and that's, I think, the most romantic thing. See, as we say all the time, it's only the little, it's the little things. Yeah. It's the little things. So, same question to you, but what's the most romantic thing you think you've ever done? has to be barring the... Barring, barring the engagement, yeah. yeah you've, 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 we've, we've done that one, so you have to think of something else now. Wow. See, I asked that. There is a reason I asked a proposal question, so we get this one out of the way. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Could be the actual... The, the Valentine's Day that followed that actually was quite nice. Uh, we nice. went up to the... They opened the top of Tower Bridge, the rooms and the, and the gangway up there, and they had, like, a lovely strawberries and champagne sort of reception overlooking the, the city and uh, they had like a sort of little um, quartet playing and oh, very nice. and all of that so so that was also quite nice and back of my mind sort of the story behind that was that was my backup plan if, if the first night didn't quite work out as, 
as planned. But both will be equally suitable. Tuesday. So, uh, so yeah. So that was probably the yeah, second most romantic. There we go. Yeah. So, uh, third question. Uh, so, Marcus, if you could bring one gentlemanly trait into business, what would it be? Doing what you say and honouring your word, really. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Deshana? It would be to, to to think about the other person too and not just about yourself, not just about your business, but see how everyone can coexist and, and, and be polite and show up on time when you do or, you know, those small little things um, which make a big difference. That's great. Okay. So, Shana, what element of male grooming uh, is most important for you? What's the thing that sort of you go, oh, yeah. No beards. So, clean shaven. Clean shaven, but no, like, no long facial hair. Not for me. Doesn't do it. Doesn't do it. So, you you were like a clean, good shave, well-shaven guy. So, good shave. A little bit of a stubble is fine sometimes, depending on different people's features but um, anyone with like now clean shaven for Tashana okay so what's the most important what's the most important thing for you in the Melbourne what do you like to spend time on (laughs) (laughs) Tashana is indicating his hair (laughs) I too I mean I'm not a a fan of beards like full blown beards on men I'm not a huge fan Uh, with that said I'm not necessarily I mean right now I'm not clean shaven today but uh, a little bit of stubble's fine. Really, just think it's just cleanliness and uh, well presented. Cool. So I like jackets, you know, sports coats and you know, nice shoes. I quite like nice shoes. Um, but think little things like that. Just yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, so name an iconic gentleman for you. I'm thinking classic '30s, you know, Humphrey Bogart and sort of you know, the like like that. Uh, yeah, Frank Sinatra. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Marcus. <laughs> well done. Joshana, <laughs> what's the most important item in Marcus's wardrobe? For you. Not for him. For me, okay. For what's him I know we have ten million of them. <laughs> yeah, okay, so what's, what's the most important item for him, for you in his wardrobe? The beautiful Ted Baker jacket that I got him. <laughs> does he wear it enough? He does, oh. yes. Marcus, what's the most important thing in your wardrobe? So, probably jackets. But the Ted Baker jacket she's referring to, I unfortunately misplaced uh, some weeks back. But, really? Yes. Yeah, so I'll be replacing that one. But it's just a nice sports coat. So, Marcus, why should there be more gentlemen in the world? I think it's just a more pleasant environment to, to live in. I think they're, they're nice values to live by, and I think it's just a generally easier to get along and... Uh, more pleasant. Shana, what would you say? Life is what you make it, and you can you can try to live an ordinary life with low standards, not many values. Do what you want to at a whim, or you can have high standards, live a life rich with values, good manners, and and leave people feeling like. There's something every day to look forward to, and that's what a gentleman brings to not just his life, but everyone else that he touches. I like that. What key skill should every young gentleman be taught? They should be taught how to listen, how to they agree when they, I mean, disagree, but agree and disagree. Like, just be polite in the way they put forward their points. I know the world is getting to a place where men are equal to women and women are equal to men, but at the same time, there is still this 
we are equal in many ways, but we are also different in many ways. And there is there is a romance in letting the man do certain things, and for the woman to be feminine, and and in her, that's what I believe. So I guess not to just because the young gentlemen, just because they have some not so favorable experiences, they shouldn't be disillusioned that being a gentleman is not worth it. In the long run, it pays off. Thank you very much. I like that answer. Marcus, what do you think every young gentleman, what skill should every young gentleman be taught? I think it's to honor the differences, recognize that women are different and they value different things, and to man up and look after them, despite they might say otherwise. They actually do like being looked after. So it's really just to act in a chivalrous, chivalrous manner and, and look after the ladies. Good, excellent. We only have two more questions. They're quite quick ones now. So uh, what should every gentleman um, never be without? Soap. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. And we're sitting in the rain now as it comes down, as it pours down. For, for, what should a gentleman never be without? Helping hands. Good, like that. So the last one. So finish this sentence for me, Joshana. A gentleman should always... Greet other people with a smile. Marcus, a gentleman should always... Hold the door open. I love that. Thank you very much to wonderful people. Um, and thank you very much for talking to us about you and Verve Rally. And uh, we wish you great success for the first rally. Thank you, Zachary. Thank you, thank you so much. Thank this you. was so much fun. Thank you very much to Marcus and Dashana. It's really interesting. That's our first couple we've had on the Gentleman Talks, and it was nice to have their answers to the ten gentlemanly questions yes. from both sides, which was quite amusing at some points, I think. I like doing the ten gentlemanly questions. Maybe we should do the ten gentlemanly questions, James. Yes, we probably should. Well, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll do a special podcast, because mm-hmm. we need to do another one, and we'll do a ten gentlemanly questions special podcast with our guests. Yes, because that would be fun. Yeah. Because you get everyone's answer, and see how much concert we get or or discord we get. Yes, that would be good. Yeah. So it's a time for our little sort of general conversation. Mm-hmm. This month has been the holiday issue of the magazine. Yes. What I was thinking about is just sort of talking about and discussing with you about being a gentleman on holiday. I mean, we've we've talked about travel and stylishly travelling, and we've talked about style on holiday, grooming, romance, manners on holiday in this week's episode. Mm -hmm. But I think that, number one, holidays are essential. You need a point where you can relax and switch off and not think about the day-to-day grind Mm -hmm. of life. You need some relaxation in life you need something where you can switch off and i think especially in today's modern world um, that's more and more prevalent going away even if it's for a a couple of days where you get away from it all turn your mobile phone off Mm -hmm. and you switch off from the outside world and just enjoy you if you're on your own or you and you whoever you're with if you're on holiday with them and have just a really relaxing time go off and do things that you wouldn't normally do have that bowl of ice cream go walk along the beach hike through the mountains of switzerland during the summer do something you wouldn't normally do i think what we are so conditioned to be in this fast-paced always-on world 
that I think sometimes we forget that we really do need to switch off and switching Mm -hmm. off doesn't just mean turning off the brain as it were but also turning off the mobile turning off the outside world you don't need to be posting on Instagram how wonderful the view is Mm -hmm. every 30 seconds because then you're still under that pressure and that conformity of the outside world yes in these days I think we need to switch off again and lose some of that connection with the digital to increase the connection with the internal and Mm -hmm. the for want of a better word spiritual cell side of ourselves yes that's probably true i mean we've mentioned this book a couple of times on the show the seven habits covey's book and his idea of sharpening the soul he calls it and he talks about their four dimensions that you need to focus on and, and, and have a balanced approach to allow you to succeed in, in the other aspects of your life. And that's taking care of the physical, the spiritual, the mental and the social emotional. The things that I enjoy doing on holiday are things just like that, you know, unplugging a little bit, getting my nose into a really good book that isn't anything to do with work, but just a really good novel and losing myself in that, or spending a day just exploring with no, no agenda, no timetable, just eh, what will happen will happen. Things like that I find are great because the things I don't get to do is part of my my normal daily routine. And especially if you go somewhere new, even if it's just for the day, that really helps with that, I think. I get a little bit anxious when I first turn my telephone off in case I'm missing something, that fear of missing out, and I'm I'm all nervous about it. But then after half an hour or so, it's, it's fine. If I need to know something, I'll maybe go to a pub and ask someone, have a drink, have a chat, make a friend, something like that. I actually generally put my phone in the hotel safe, check it once a day to make sure that no one has um, needs me desperately, urgently, generally family, not, I don't care about work so much. When I used to have two phones, I would have a work phone and a personal phone, and the personal phone would still come with me because no one had the number. But nowadays, you only have one phone again, and so I put it away. And I tell people, if you want to get hold of me, I will check the message at some point during my holiday, and I'll get back to you. For those who really, really know, they'll know where I am, so they'll, they can get hold of me. They can leave a message at the hotel. I love that. I was watching a movie the other day. Any messages when they go to the front desk? I remember the first time I stayed in a hotel. I would have been about 10, possibly. I'd been to B&Bs before. The first time staying in a proper hotel, it was the, the Royal Scotsman Hotel in London, which is just around the corner from King's Cross. It's now a travel lodge, I think. It seemed very, very grand to me at the time. I was there over my birthday, and some of my, my family members sent me birthday cards to the hotel and I remember as they went past it went oh the guy at reception a Scottish guy said oh, Mr Marwood we have some messages for you and my dad's like oh I'm, I'm not sure I I was expecting anything and then no no for the young Mr Marwood oh, lovely <laughs> yes and then there were like three or four birthday cards and it was all very sweet oh yeah and that was the first time I came to London and the first time I stayed in a hotel. That's really cool. I like that. Yeah. So, therefore, we're not going to waffle on too much. Uh, But, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening to us today. We are always around, so please drop us an email at inquiries at theperfectgentleman.tv or contact us on our social media channels, which are on the websites and all over the place, but it's at theperfectgentlemen or gentleman, depending on what platform you are. It's man for Instagram and men for Twitter. We are always around. Please do contact us we've got some lovely feedback we always appreciate your feedback we do listen if you're listening uh, in a couple of weeks time or the august issue of the magazine and the august podcasts are all about sustainability and vegan clothes and all things like that and that's from a listener yes yes a really good idea well i'm looking forward to that too but it's from a listener so we do listen to you and if you have suggestions we will incorporate them james always a pleasure to speak to you sir and you my friend and look forward to speaking to you next week indeed take care 
Our partners, Hawes & Curtis, are a British brand with more than 100 years of heritage and tailoring. In 1913, Ralph Hawes and George Frederick Curtis opened their first store in London's Piccadilly Arcade at the corner of German Street, renowned for its resident shirt makers. From the beginning, Hawes & Curtis attracted famous clientele, including the Duke of Windsor, Cary Grant and Fred Astaire, dapper gentlemen all. As a result of Hawes & Curtis's commitment to impeccable service and product excellence, the brand has been awarded four royal warrants. Today, Hawes & Curtis offers extensive menswear and women's wear collections, providing customers with complete looks for a whole variety of occasions. Please head over to their website, www.hawesandcurtis.co.uk. You're talking about books on holiday. So yes. I read so much, mm-hmm. I can do a book a day on holiday. Yes. So... Prior to Kindle, mm-hmm. half my luggage would be books. Books, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I actually weirdly don't like reading electronically, mm-hmm. but if I didn't have the Kindle, if I'm away for a week, that's seven or eight books. Yeah, I must admit, I find I remember things better if I read them on paper, mm. and they stick in my brain better. For workbooks especially, I tend to underline and, and fold pages and things like that, and all those terrible things that I cringe a little bit doing it because my mum would be so disappointed with me. But it's my book, I paid for it, I'll do that. I use my actually my iPad when I'm travelling because it just saves so much space and time. Mm. I was stuck on a delayed tube, waiting for about 20 minutes. I just finished the, the book I'm reading. I'm reading currently The Witcher series. Okay. By, um, I can't pronounce the chap's second name, Sapesky, I think his name is, Andrew Sapesky, the ones the video gamers are based on, and, and they're, they're very fun. And I finished it, I was like, oh, what should I do next? Oh, I'm on my iPad, I'll just buy the next one and start that. <laughs> dangerous, I mean, uh, good, good. It's it's good, but dangerous. That was me last night, after I dropped the chest to the station, came home and sat in the conservatory for hours, devouring more of that. I could whack through a, you know, literally a book a day, and then yep. all my partners and wives who I've been on holiday with, I sound like a harem. <laughs> you do, yes. <laughs> Everyone is just amazed how quickly I read. Yeah. I literally go through a book a day, and then not only that, I'll do normal things as well. We all would go out for dinner, we might mm-hmm. go out for a, a walk and all that sort of stuff, but because I don't have any other distractions, I can read. Yes. And that, for me, is joy. Yes. But like you, a non-fiction, I can't read on Kindle. I have mm. to read on paper. Yeah. I really have to. I can't do it. I want to make notes, not necessarily in the book, but I want mm. to put I put sticky tabs in yep. book points where I want to make notes of and things like that. No, I can't do it for non-fiction books. And, and, and like you said, I love going exploring. We were on, uh, I think it was Corfu, mm-hmm. um, and the, none of the maps tallied up in the car. <laughs> right, we, yep. had, like, we had the, the, the map from the uh, hotel, mm-hmm. map from the, the Kaha place, and we had another map. Yes. And none of them tallied up. <laughs> which I thought yeah. was hilarious. There was like, yeah. ooh, that road doesn't exist on this map, but it exists on that map. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. But we're on an island. So we said, right. So we just turned right on the way out and yep. took rights all the way around. And then we said, when we stopped, we took lefts because we we, we'll get back. Yep, that's... And that's basically what we did. And we had some amazing adventures. Got to We saw us village that was um, being restored by the U, uh, UNESCO. Mm-hmm. Um, they'd been abandoned. We had a great adventure, but, you know. I like doing One of the best holidays I ever had was when I went to Texas. I did three days martial arts training, which had an agenda. Once I finished that, I still had, I think, about a week left. And I had no hotel bookings. I had a, I had a hired car and some indication that Houston was, was south and Austin was north. And a bit beyond that and to the left was Dallas. And that was it. And I just drove until I saw something interesting, got out and looked at it. Drove some more, found a hotel, found a restaurant. It was fantastic. I would strongly recommend that kind of holiday if you can do. Just get in the car and say, 
Left or right? And you can do that here, wherever you are in the world. I've done that here. I used to do that as a child with my with my mum. We'd either camp or stay in a, in a little B&B and then come back the next day. And it was, yeah, lovely. Hmm, I like that. Right. So that's our holiday discussion. Um, so, James, I'll speak to you next week. Yes, indeed. Indeed. You, you, uh, you have a good week and speak soon. Take care, my friend. This podcast is brought to you by The Perfect Gentleman Group Limited and was edited by Andy Nichol at the Pistachio Palace.